We are musicians. George Sarah is a composer for film and TV with over 100 credits, a recording artist, and touring musician. And you can listen to his music at facebook.com slash Music. We chatted about how he makes money in the music industry, his advice on how to get started, and his music influences. My mother uh, had a friend who was a professional concert pianist, and she donated a piano to the family. And when I was 10 years old, I was listening to like the Beatles and Elton John. So, um, and then um, when I was like 12 years old, I I saw this documentary about the Who. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So I switched instruments and um, I started playing bass. I wanted to play guitar, but I found out everyone at school had already played guitar. And they said, no one plays bass, but if you played bass, you'd be in a band immediately because everyone needs a bass player. And sure enough, when I told everyone I was playing bass, I was asked to join four bands. So this is 12, seventh grade. I started playing bass and then I got into progressive rock at that age, but I had a bass teacher who was uh, telling me, well, you know, if you really want to be accomplished as a bassist, here, here are the records that you need to listen to. And it was like, yes, and Rush. And, you know, as a bass player, that was like intricate stuff. So I learned all that. And then when I was about 14, that's when I discovered David Bowie. Then it was like, then it wasn't so much about being a bass player. It was more about being a, you know, having something, you know, cool, creating something original. Because he was, it just seemed like, every record he made was so different from the other, you know? And it was like, oh, and he's kind of like this character and, and the songs are amazing. So I started a band and at that time we were really into like a lot of the stuff that was ha- coming over from Europe, like the specials and the jam. And it's kind of like that whole post-punk thing. And, and then at the end of high school, I started discovering electronic music. I bought a Kraftwerk record and I thought I was really great. And David Bowie had made a lot of electronic music in the 70s that I, I was not aware about, um, like Low and Heroes. And I also discovered electronic music through film, especially Tangerine Dream. So I was really interested in electronic music. And then, and then after high school, I went through a goth phase, industrial phase. And, and then, you know, it just kind of spiraled down from there. I got a little bit into punk. And I was just always into checking out different stuff. And then I joined my older brother's band and he was really into George Clinton and Funkadelic and P-Funk. So he was like, I want you to listen to some Bootsy Collins since you're a bass player. So I bought this album called um, Ultra Wave and I listened to that. And, you know, at that point it was just, I was all over the map. I was listening to like punk one day. I was looking to goth music. I was listening to P-Funk. And it was all during that period that I discovered Dead Can Dance. And that was my first introduction into early music classical. And from there, um, I discovered Philip Glass. Are you a musician who would like to be on this podcast? If you are, drop me an email at mypianopartner at gmail.com. When I was 19 years old, I actually met um, Macy Gray, who at the time she went under her, her birth name, Natalie McIntyre, and she was a student at USC. And um, she and I decided, or she had a, a project she wanted to start. And it was really hard for me to like kind of join a band because, you know, that, this is in the height of hair metal. So 
so she asked me to be her bass player. Um, the ironic thing is everyone in her band was like, they look like straight out of Sunset Strip. Like they look like members of Van Halen, you know, like everyone had long hair and spandex and stuff. And, and there was Natalie and then myself, you know, and I was all gothed out wearing black and uh, she was just wearing normal clothes. You know, I think um, my history in progressive rock and stuff, I had the chops to play with these people and stuff. And then at that point, I kind of uh, was really unhappy with all the, the music scene itself. So I started my own band. It was experimental electronic music, industrial. And we got signed to a Belgium record label. No, no one in the US would touch us. And then uh, we toured Europe. And then it just sort of, that's, a little, that's, that's how it started. about one of the tracks that I listened to it sounded like a, a setting of chant in the medieval or renaissance style um it's actually I, I guess there was a band that I discovered in the 80s uh, they're called Dead Can Dance and uh, Lisa Gerard is um, one of the members it's a duo and she's probably best well known as uh, one of the composers for the film Gladiator um, she won an Oscar and she worked with Hans Zimmer on that. But in the 80s, she had a, a goth band. It was very dark and they incorporated a lot of um, early music, you know, 15th century, 16th century uh, influences into their music. So me hearing it, you know, as a kid, <clears throat> I just thought it was just really beautiful music. I didn't know the history behind it. And then um, later on, I... Um, went to a concert and I heard Gregorian chant and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is a very much similar like to Dead Can Dance. So then I found out, oh, this music was written for the church. And I was like, what? And then it's like, oh, they're singing in Latin. Okay. I didn't know it was, I just thought they were making, they were express, they were making, you know, using their voice as an instrument. And I said, no, there's actually words in there, but it's a foreign language that, you know, no longer exists. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, with, with that, uh, that piece that I think that you heard St. Catherine, I think it's what you're referring to. That was, um, so I had, I was commissioned to write a score for a silent movie called the passion of Joan of Arc. It was a 1928 Carl Dreyer film. And when I saw that movie and I read about it and I read Joan of Arc's biography, I wanted to create music that was of that period and mixed in with, with modern music, the sounds, electronic rhythms and stuff. So I did some research and um, I actually talked to a professor at a university about this. Uh, you know, I checked out the music of that period, which is William Byrd and Palestrina. And then hearing it as a musician and then like kind of playing what they're singing, it's very simple stuff, you know? Um, it's just a lot of whole notes sustaining and, um, you know, on a musical level of just one sitting down at a piano, it's fairly easy to, to play, but it is knowing what it is you are writing and how to write it, you know? Um, so that was kind of a technique. So um, I collaborated uh, with a friend who sings with the LA Massacre Corral, and I asked him, you know, if he can help me kind of 
I wrote the score and then I gave him the score and I said, you know, where should I make some of the changes? And he said, no, just minor things here and there, you know, some of these words and phrases should be a little slightly different, but for the most part, musically it was all the same. It was just kind of knowing where to put the, um, the Latin words where they supposed to go. Cause I didn't know exactly where they ended, but <laughs> it's hard to tell, but you don't know. It's like, okay, is that part of a word or is that, was that the, is, you know, is that the second word, you know, like what's the consonants and anyway, so um, yeah, to be honest with you, I know feel, I kind of feel horrible saying this because I know people have gone to, you know, 10 years conservatory learning early music and I am and by no means I can do that, but I wrote a piece for a film or, or a score for a film that had to be in that genre. In So majority of the stuff that I do, I do at home and I do vocals and I play a lot of the instruments. You play, but you sing I, a little bit? Uh, no, I usually get a singer to do that, you know? Um, but um, so if I'm recording like a full band or something, like I did a film where the music was Americana, um, I asked, I, I, I knew I needed to go somewhere. So I had it in my contract that they had to cover that expense and pay for the musicians. So I had a separate budget for production. So, so then I, we went into a studio, a different studio to record all the music, the drums, the guitar, the bass. But then because everything is like digital, you know, <clears throat> I took all the files and I finished it at home. I didn't have to finish it there, you know, on a studio time. I had, you know, the same software. Everyone has the same software now. It's Pro Tools or Logic or whatever it is, Ableton. It's like everyone has the same iPhone, right? There's no advanced iPhone, you know, astronauts have a, they have the same phone you do. The president has the same phone you have. So um, I, I've mixed it at my house, but um, I recorded there and I've done string quartets where I've gone to different big studios to get a big sound. And I don't have that because I don't always do that. So I, I wouldn't necessarily spend money paying rent on a commercial space that I only use rarely when, you know, so it's just better to do that one, you know, as the project comes, you know, no matter what I do, what kind of genre, <laughs> I want my signature to be on that. So when I did the Beijing Olympics, they asked me to incorporate um, traditional Chinese instruments, but at the same time, mix it with electronic music. Like the people that hired me were very familiar with my work. They saw me do a concert at the Getty and then they hired me to perform, they live in a loft in downtown LA. So they asked, they had an event. They asked me to perform there. So they were fans already. It was like, I'm gonna do um, my version of traditional Chinese music. And I'm gonna do my version of classical music. And I'm gonna do my version of, you know, Americana music, you know? It's not gonna be straight up, you know, Emmylou Harris. It's gonna be my take on that, my influence you know, on that, because I, I want to enjoy and be proud of the work I do. And I don't want to be an imposter. I don't want to be like, well, I'm going to do something and make it so that no one will know it's me. It's like, I don't want to do that. I want to have people go, wow, that I, I, that's, that's, you did that, but it's, you know, but it's different. 
you know? And I think I had that, I think it was instilled in me because growing up, I was a huge fan of David Bowie, you know? Like he made this record, The Young Americans, and he collaborated with Luther Vandross on that record, but it was still a David Bowie record. And then he did, you know, and then after that he did uh, Low, which is Brian Eno, and it was an electronic album, but it was still a Bowie record, but it right. was so different, you know? Right. It's just, this, it was like, it was, Bowie, but it was like people called him the chameleon because it was different, but it was always Bowie. Like he, he didn't lose fans. His fans went along for the ride. It's different from the last, but I'm with you. I haven't, I haven't given up on you yet. You know, like they didn't, they saw him more as an innovator as a, instead of a sellout because a lot of people, when they make that change, they're like, Oh, you sold out, you know, but Bowie didn't get that. So um, I know a lot of, um, People who've gone to conservatories and stuff, they've, they've, they call me, I had a cellist who called me, um, what did she call me? She said I was like, um, she said I wasn't a real composer, you know, because I didn't go to school. Paul McCartney didn't go to school either. I just read when Eddie Van Halen died. He didn't know how to read music. So mm. I'm just like, okay. things Beijing Olympics um I had a series for Discovery Channel I license a lot of my music so a lot of my music gets used in tv shows and then sometimes I'll be asked to do a scene for a show like I did a few scenes for the Chris Rock show everybody hates Chris they needed additional music for that and having that whole growing up with P-Funk and Funkadelic because my brother I knew exactly what they were looking for because because they needed music that sounded like 80s but all the, all the music they were getting was very intricate. And I said, no, that stuff back then was really simple. You had an 808 drum machine and one bass line, you know? So I created these tracks that are really simple, you know, that took like literally 15 minutes to make. And um, so I did some of that. So yeah, it's been all over the place, you know? I've been all over the place. And, um, but just kind of always trying to challenge myself to something new. There's no such thing as minimum wage. There's no such thing as overtime. There's no such thing as child labor laws. I mean, there's nothing. So, you know, like when you're, when you're um, in the music business, it's like the wild frontier. I know people who will put a, something up on YouTube and they think they're going to go viral. And it's like, dude, there are 1.5 billion uploads a day, a day. Like no one's, it's just, it's not, it's impossible. Unless, unless you get lucky, like you do that. The one guy on the skateboard who was drinking that drink and he was playing Fleetwood Mac, like, you know, like, 
and and that was Fleetwood Mac. They're already huge, you know. They're already like hundred million records sold, right? So play live, so you have the the audience's undivided attention. But I do like 40, 50 gigs a year, and year after year after year, and then and then whatever. I mean, I just went on to um, Pandora to get my. Um, they have a, a an app now for artists, so you can kind of see how well you're doing. I went to Pandora and I saw that. I've had 782,000 lifetime streams. And I'm not a household name, but I got 782,000 streams on Pandora. That's Pandora. That's not Spotify. Spotify, there's, I get more, you know? I think at Spotify, I'm at, I don't know, I'm at like probably the same number, but Pandora was one of the first streaming services. I was one of the first electronic artists to be added. So I had that advantage. Um, I was, not competing with a lot of people, you know? So anytime you, you want to hear electronic music, I was, in, I was in that rotation. In 2005, when I got added to Spotify, uh, Pandora, I mean, there was, it was just a handful of people. I did it in store to Amoeba, I sold 26 CDs, you know? And I just keep doing that, doing a lot of live shows because you have the audience's undivided attention, but also at the same time, you're creating a fan. Because if you hear a song that you really like, you're not necessarily a fan of the artist, you're a fan of that song. Um, play shows, you know, do a lot of gigs, you know, meet other bands that are like-minded and set your own shows where there's three bands and, and be in charge, you know, collect the door, get a friend to get the doorman, get 100% of the revenue, you know, don't play clubs. So I'm lucky I also score films and TV and, you know, I'll, I'll do that as as my income but yeah it's it just my experience is playing live shows that that's that's how i did it i i can't speak for anyone else but i know a lot of bands that i love um whether it be the cure or whoever i mean they, you know 150 shows a year you know what i mean it's like that's what they did when they started out it's, it's just really hard for you to upload a song that no one's ever heard of you and then that just goes viral it's not like it won't happen but it's like you know we're talking lottery and, and viral it's not it's not a career you know it's not like once you do that what are pe people are moved on you know within two months they moved on like the thing about writing a great song is like that's gonna stick with people people are gonna revisit that if, if you write a really good song, people are still going to want to hear it a year or two years from now, five years, 10 years. For me, it's like, look at the big picture. And like, I don't like to do things that are more gimmicky. I want to do things that are just going to be long lasting. So that, you know, like my, my score to the song film, I'm able to get booked around the country and play all over the place, you know, but that took a lot of work. And it took me a long time to get to that place where I can actually score an entire film and then have string quartet and a choir sing all that and then me doing the electronic part and it took years to get get to that level that doesn't include my tv scores or my films recent music is a vinyl coming out and I've been using um, incorporate a lot of field recordings so what that is is I have I set up microphones um, outside contact mics 
uh, put them inside a can or next to a tree and I record nature and I, I manipulate the sounds and then put that out and people are like, well, what's that? It's like, I don't know, but there is, there's an audience for it. And then there's a record label that's putting my stuff out on vinyl. I want to write an opera, but like avant-garde opera, like in the, in the like when you're like operas, like no, not in, in a modern opera, very much like what Phil Glass is doing right now and Robert Wilson, people like that. So he, uh, he's had several operas, but probably the one that's most famous is one called Einstein on the Beach. And it's a five and a half hour opera. And I would love to do something like that where I'm collaborating with a, you know, directors and choreographers where it's visually you know, striking and the music's beautiful and intense and innovating. And um, the audience walks away with a feeling is like, that was incredible. I don't think I understood it though. You know, <laughs> like something that's just beyond yourself, you know, and I would love to, that's something I would love to do. This is Jana Cole, the creator of We Are Musicians podcast. You can leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm slash Jana-Cole9. Maybe I'll play your message on a future podcast, and I really appreciate your feedback.